0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you and welcome to the show We'll look for some laughs at the half hour When Archie gets it into his noggin to have a singing contest at Duffy's Tavern Better get the earplugs. In the meanwhile, George is going to do it. Do what? Well, solve another mystery, all started by his daily ad in the newspapers. Let George Do It, an American radio drama series produced from 1946 to 1954 by Owen and Pauline Vincent. Bob Bailey starred as private investigator George Valentine. Olin Sewell voiced the role in 1954. Don Clark directed the scripts. Clients came to Valentine's office after reading a newspaper ad that carried this wording, personal notice, Danger's my stock in trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Well the newspaper ad varied from show to show, it always opened with danger is my stock in trade and closed with write full details. George Valentine was a professional detective. Valentine's secretary was Claire Brooks, A.K.A. Brooksy. John Highstead was the program's announcer, and the background music was supplied by Eddie Dunstetter. Initially, with a full orchestra, when televisions supplanted radio as the country's primary home entertainment, radio budgets got skimpier and skimpier, and Dunstetter's orchestra was replaced by just an organ, played by Dunstetter. Oh, how embarrassing, but necessary, huh? Here's the episode of Let George Do It entitled Wolf Pack.
2: Standard of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West invite you to Let George do it. Another adventure of George Valentine.
3: Personal notice, danger is my stock and trade. If you're up against something you can't handle and that has to be kept strictly confidential, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details.
4: Dear Mr. Valentine, the day after tomorrow, a boy 16 is getting out of a work camp after a year. Instead of trying to get a new start, he swears he's going to do something that'll take him right back there again, or even worse... You've got to help him. You've got to save him from himself. I don't have much money. I'm only 16, too. Only 16, too. But I'll work the rest of my life paying you if you'll
5: do everything you can to help Eddie. I'll be waiting for you tomorrow morning at 7, in front of the Lincoln statue in Chelsea Square Park. It's just signed, Emily, George. Yeah.
3: Chelsea Square Park, huh? Brooksy, that's right in the middle of that slum jungle where those so-called wolf packs have been running wild.
5: Yes, and kids just about this age.
3: Always good for an editorial. Young hoodlums, a challenge to society. And that's where it usually ends. Brooksy, looks like we're gonna be on the job early tomorrow morning.
6: George,
5: wait a minute. What is it, Brooksy? Over there, sitting under the statue of Lincoln. There, feeding the
4: pigeons.
3: Oh, yeah. Looks like a girl, all right. Come on, Angel. Let's see how unlike an editorial we can be when we talk to her.
4: Now, that's all the comes I have. No use hanging your around. Go on. Scoop. Scoop. Go on.
3: <laughs> Emily?
4: Yes? Oh, Mr. Valentine?
3: Yeah, that's right.
4: Gosh, I didn't really believe you'd come, and I... Hello, Hi. Emily.
3: This is Miss Brooks. We work together.
4: Come how do you do? Hello, Miss Brooks. If things weren't so terrible for Eddie, I'd... I'd feel pretty silly. I don't have anything in the world, and there's no reason for you to help me. Well,
7: let's
3: just say you write a darn good letter.
4: Now, what about Eddie, Emily? He's a boy I know. He gets out tomorrow. Why was he sent away? The police found him in a stolen car. I see. But he didn't steal it. He thought he was delivering the car to a second-hand dealer for somebody just to make a little extra money. Well, didn't he tell that to the police? No. He just kept insisting over and over that he didn't steal it. He wouldn't even tell me who got him into that trouble. But he says that since everybody is so sure he's no good, he's going to prove they're right. You know what that means. Oh, now, Emily. Well, I know Eddie. He's lost his temper a lot of times. and He got into scrapes, but... Well, he's not bad. Not really.
3: Emily, you're pretty sure of that, aren't you?
4: I suppose when you believe in somebody... you're Just do, that's all. All right.
3: Now let's see what we can do.
4: He has no place to go, Mr. Valentine. What do you mean? He only has his father, and Eddie was supporting Mr. Prokosh, selling papers. Yes. Oh, and Eddie was arrested. Mr. Prokosh told him he never wanted to see him again. And Eddie's very proud he'd never go back home now. Well, people change a lot in a year. Do they? My mother and father haven't. They still think Eddie's no good. And even now, when I went to help him, I... Have to meet you in the park before I go to school. All
3: right, Emily. Suppose you leave Eddie to me.
4: I'm going to secretarial school now, and in another year I'll start working. And if you don't mind waiting, oh, I suppose can... you leave that to Mr. Valentine, too. Then you mean you'll do everything you can?
3: <laughs> that and a little more, Emily. Now, suppose we go and have some breakfast so you can tell me all about Eddie. Then I'm gonna have a talk with his father. <laughs>
8: I don't care who you are. I want to hear nothing about my son. I got no son. Now get out of my house. Now
3: just take it easy, Mr. Prokash.
8: Look at me, mister. You see this cripple leg? I got that making honest living. Honest living.
5: I know that's dreadful, Mr. Prokosh. But there's still Eddie to think about.
8: I get few pennies from the company every month. I even bite my tongue and take charity from the Morrissey Association... But better I should hate myself than take one dirty penny my son steals.
3: I don't need it.
5: But maybe your son needs you.
3: I told you, lady, I got no son. Okay. Okay, let's just call him another boy, age 16, a boy in trouble and headed for more. But not everybody sold off in the way you are. His own father.
5: You know, Mr. Prokosh, you can worry so much about being right that you can be wrong.
8: Right, well... Such fancy talk I don't understand.
7: Hey, Prokash, I want-
8: Oh. So you get company, eh? What you want in my house? Tell these characters a blow. There's something I want you to tell me.
3: Uh, just who is this imitation Bogart? Huh?
8: Uh, His name is Dan Lucas. He's the worst hoodlum of them all. Look, Pop, Eddie's time's about up. Once he getting out? I gotta know. I tell you nothing. You heard me. I gotta know.
3: And you're gonna tell you're me. You what? Let go, man.
6: Flashy tie you're wearing.
3: You don't knot it half tight enough, so I'm gonna help you. <laughs> it's not good manners for a tough guy like you to be pushing helpless people around. you? <laughs> you see what I mean, Stanley. George, look out! See the kind knife he carries? Yeah. Not the kind you peel potatoes with. Why I
5: ought
3: to? George, let go of him. I... I just got one thing to say to you, Mister. Stay out of this neighborhood after dark if you want to live. Which way do you want to go downstairs? On your head or on your feet? I ain't through with you. You need
7: a Prokash.
3: Beat it. Take that collapsible stiletto with you. Let's hope the cops find it on you. Still have nothing to say to us about Eddie, Mister Prokash? Nothing. You see the kind friends he has? I would rather die than... We know. All right, let's go, Brooksy. There's one more place I'd like to stop before we meet Eddie tomorrow.
7: What do I know about Eddie Prokash? Just about everything, Mr. Valentine. Good, good. That's why we dropped in to see you, Mr. Morrissey.
5: Mr. Prokar says you and the Chelsea Square Association have been helping him out every month.
7: Well, Miss Brooks, we're sort of a political club, as you know. But we believe in really taking care of our own down here. So I understand. Naturally, we hope to win votes. But in a tough neighborhood like Chelsea Square, there are other things that are more important. Giving out turkeys come Thanksgiving and arranging a boat ride in the summer are just not enough. Oh, we do much more than that. We cooperate with the police. Even get to the judge when one of our boys gets into trouble. We've been talking about putting up a playground, too. Well, I could get the bare facts of what happened at juvenile court. But I thought a man like you, whose business it is to know what's going on, could tell us more than that.
5: We understand Eddie didn't even try to defend himself on that stolen car charge. I
7: know. But I'm afraid there was very little he could say. He was caught red-handed. Very unfortunate case. But I'm afraid not at all unusual. Say, tell me, Morrissey... Why would a young hooligan like Stan Lucas be interested in knowing when Eddie gets out from the work camp? Lucas? Oh. That one. There's really a neighborhood problem. Mm,
5: I can imagine.
7: But Stan's almost a man now. I don't see what he could have had to do with Eddie Prokos. Apparently he had a lot to do with him, Morrissey. But it looks as though we won't get the real picture of Eddie
3: till we talk to the boy himself. mister, huh? Oh.
9: Are you going into town? How about a...
3: Oh, I... Why knock yourself out, kid? I'm going back to town. I'll give you a lift.
9: What? Oh, I didn't see you parked under that tree. Hop in, Eddie. Okay, thanks. What? How did you
3: know my name? I've been waiting for you, kid. But we'll go into all that later.
9: Emily, she's just a crazy kid. <laughs> and I suppose you're a brainy old man. Yeah, well, I know what I'm doing. And you can let me off with the next cross and I can get a bus, you know. Ah, just keep your shirt on, Eddie. Ah, uh, that kid gets crazy ideas. I know what I'm doing. I don't need anybody's help.
3: Okay, okay. So you're on your own. Well, let's set it up this way. Look, I live by myself. What do you say we go home and have some chow? You might decide to bunk over with me until you know what you want to do.
9: I know what I want to do.
3: Hey, uh, mister, you
9: sure you're not a
3: cop? (laughs) Well, some of them are my best friends, Eddie, but I don't happen to be one. No, it's just like I said. I had a little talk with Emily while she was feeding the pigeons in the park You mean Emily still sits
9: by that statue and... Well, uh, okay, I guess there's no reason why I shouldn't eat your
6: food. Huh? <laughs> Thanks, Eddie.
5: There's only one thing a woman likes better than to see a man clean up that last drop of gravy on his plate. Oh,
9: what's that, Lucy?
5: Two men doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah.
9: <laughs> yeah, I sure packed away a lot, didn't
4: That's I? That's why
5: I was here, Eddie. Go on, rave some more about my cooking to Mr. Valentine. It may help. Uh, see you in the office in the morning, George.
4: Glad to bet you, Eddie.
5: Yeah,
3: me too, Miss Brooks. Well, thanks, Angel, for being chief cook and bottle
9: washer. I see those
5: dirty dishes in the sink. <laughs> Good night,
9: George. Oh, uh, Mr. Valentine.
3: Yeah, Eddie.
9: Thanks a lot for the meal, but I gotta get going now.
3: No, Eddie, no. You're gonna stay right here tonight. Now, look, now, I look, said... it. A... you're stewing about something. You can't wait to get it out of your system. Without thinking of the trouble it's going to cause everybody, including
9: yourself. Well, you stop preaching at me. You got no right just because you give me a meal.
3: I'm getting out of here. Not tonight, you're not. Now look, kid. Give yourself a chance to sleep on it. You may feel differently in the morning.
9: I'm leaving by that door, so get out of my way. Now, I don't want to have to get tough with you, but yes I'm... Okay,
6: you asked for it. No! Oh. For it too. oh,
3: what happened? Just a little judo trick I had to learn once. Oh Yeah, it came in pretty handy in Salerno.
9: Hey. hey you mean you were in that fight in Salerno? That's right.
3: And the guy coming up, he wasn't supposed to land on a nice soft couch like you just did. Oh. Well, Eddie, there's no reason why we shouldn't settle down. Listen to the fights now. Oh, yes. What? When you do go to bed, just remember I'm a very light sleeper. So? So? Don't get any fancy ideas about running out on me.
7: Uh, okay, Eddie, time to get up.
3: Uh, hey, Eddie, did you hear me? Rise and shine. Oh that shit. Say, Eddie, if you want to try my new electric razor, you can... Why that little... Now, wait.
7: Oh, great. He did
3: leave me a note. That's something. I wasn't asleep like you thought when you went in to take your shower. I even washed the dishes to pay for my room and board. Now, you and Miss Brooks and Emily better stay away from me. You were so anxious to know what I was going to do. Now, I can tell you. I'm going to take care of Stan Lucas.
2: We'll return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, a word about wear and tear. Most motorists believe, and quite naturally, that automobile engines wear out faster when they're running. But that's not true. Your car faces its biggest danger when it's standing cold. For that's when rust, caused by condensed moisture inside cylinders, starts to work. And that's where RPM motor oil can help you avoid a repair bill. RPM's special compounds keep a rust-proof oil film on all engine parts all the time. Whether your car is running hot or standing cold, RPM clings stubbornly to vital wear points. And consequently, rust never has a chance to get started in your car. No wonder it's the two-to-one choice of Western motorists. Next time you need oil, ask for rust-fighting RPM motor oil at any standard station or independent Chevron gas station. While you're there, ask for a free copy of Batter Up. It's a wonderful handbook on baseball, a gift to you from independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations where they say and mean we'll take better care of your car. Now back to tonight's adventure, George Valentine, and to Chelsea Square, a jungle of tenements in the middle of the city, and a wolf pack of boys stalking the streets. That's the background for George's present job, the specific challenge to keep 16-year-old Eddie Prokosh from committing a serious crime, as he promised.
5: Morning, George. Hey, you only shaved on one side of your face this morning.
3: Okay, so that's the side you can kiss me on. (laughs) But look, we're in trouble, Angel. What? Yeah, playing big brother a Spencer Tracy didn't work out. Eddie beat it while I was shaving.
5: All right, Donnie, take it easy. Uh,
3: he left this little note. He's out on the prowl. To quote, he's going after Stan Lucas. Oh, no. Yeah. I've got to stop him somehow, Brooksy. I only knew where to find him down there in that Chelsea district. What pool hall, what dark alley, what hallway. Stan
5: stand with that knife. What can we do, George? Well, I'm
3: going to have another talk with Eddie's father. Look, you find Emily. But where? Well, she gave us the name of the secretarial school. Call her. Get her to meet you in the park. Maybe she can give us a clue on how we can find Eddie. Okay, John. remember, Brooksy, it's a race against time.
4: But Eddie can't do that. He must... L- Emily, stop crying.
5: <laughs> yes, Miss Brooks. Emily, I'm not going to talk to you like a child. If you're old enough to fall in love with a boy, this is no time to let him down. I know... I know. You came to us for help. Now we need yours. Can you tell us some of the places where Eddie might be looking for Stan Lucas?
4: It could be anywhere, but I... Yes, dear? I... I should have told you this before, but I couldn't. I mean about Stan. Stan? Did he have anything to do with that stolen car business? I'm not sure, but... That's... That's not what I meant. What did you mean? Miss Brooks... You said you weren't going to talk to me like a child. Well, I'm not going to talk to you like I was one, either. All this year, Eddie was up in that work camp. I've been going around with Stan. Oh. But I had to. Everybody does what Stan tells them to. I wasn't afraid just for myself, but what he said he'd do to Eddie when he came out. Does Eddie know that? No, you know how men are. I wouldn't want him to know. Oh, you poor kid. What could I do, Miss Brooks? Miss Brooks. Dan he could even stop the few dollars Mr. Prokosh gets from the association. And he needs that money to live on. Dan was just talking. But you don't have to worry about him
5: anymore. Mr. Valentine knows how to take care of him.
4: I'm only thinking of Eddie. If I could only talk to him, I've got to find him.
5: Wait, Emily. I'll go with you. We'll both look for him. <laughs>
3: I want to know, Mr. Proconscious, whether Eddie's been here or not. He knows better than to come here. Oh, yeah. I suppose that makes you a great father. Hey, look, Eddie's wandering around. A few words well chosen might save his whole life. And all he gets is a door slammed in his face. I got nothing more to say, Mr. Valentine. Well, I have one more thing to say. Your son's out to kill somebody. K-I-L-L. That's the kind of thing you get the big rap for. Or even a kid at 16.
8: My Eddie, he would not...
3: A okay, Prokash. I can't waste any more time on you. A 16-year-old girl had more faith in your son than you have. And I've got to keep faith with her. Oh, That's stubborn hope. Old... Remember me, big shot? Well, at least I didn't have to look for you, Stan. No, you didn't. Because I was looking for you. Jump, boys,
9: jump. Hold against against it. Hold him. Hold on. Ah, twist his arms, back, Slim.
8: You
9: know. I want to do this right.
6: Hey, no!
3: I owe this mug
6: something.
3: Imitation Bogart. Oh. Huh? You had something to say about my knife, didn't you? No. How do you like it, oh brother? I get to carve my initials all over that face oh, of yours. No, hey, don't it do it, me. Stan. Ah, oh, no,
9: I won't do it. It's really gonna be a Pleasure to work him over so even
3: his own mother wouldn't recognize him. I. I know my diction isn't very good, Lieutenant Riley.
8: Valentine, what's the matter with you? Where are you?
3: Just about got to the hall phone. Look, you got to do me a
8: favor. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But what's wrong with you?
3: I thought I could keep the police out of a boy's life, but it's way over my head now. I need your help, Lieutenant. Okay, shoot. Look, pick up two boys down in Chelsea Square fast. Eddie Prokosh, about 5'8", freckles on his nose, wears a leather jacket, and Stan Lucas,
8: get it? Stan Lucas, yeah.
3: He's a a
8: dirty, vicious little... Valentine, you stay where you are.
3: Don't worry, Lieutenant. I can't help myself. Uh, I know, I know what you mean The guy doesn't look his best in these
5: hospitals Oh, darling, your face
3: Look, what about Eddie? Did they pick him up? Yes Before he got to stand? Uh Uh-huh Oh, good, good
5: Not quite so good What happened, Brooksy? Lieutenant Riley has Eddie in jail They found a gun on him
3: But if he didn't get to stand, then... The gun
5: was taken from a watchman in a hold-up this morning Eddie! No question about that gun But, Brooksy, when that guy's
3: wrecking and now this... I
5: know but George, what do you think you're doing? Where are you...
3: Oh, I'm getting out of here and have a talk with Eddie in jail.
9: Eddie, you gotta talk. What about you and that watchman? What difference does it make what I say? Nobody will believe me. Come on, Eddie, come on. Oh... Uh... I bought that gun from Swenson, the pawnbroker, just a couple hours ago. What? Yeah, I was going to use it on Stan.
3: Well, did Lieutenant Riley check with the pawnbroker to see if your story was right? Yeah, sure,
9: but Swenson told him he hadn't seen me since I was sent away.
6: Uh Uh-huh.
9: Shouldn't be any surprise to me. I should be used to getting framed. Now, look, you tell me the truth, huh, Eddie? I tell you, I was nowhere near that factory this morning. I... I was looking for Stan. And it was Stan who framed you on that hot car deal? That's right. Well, why didn't you say so when you were arrested? Well, what proof did I have? He would have lied his way out of it. And he wanted to get rid of me so he could have Emily for himself. Yeah, I know all about her going out
3: with him while I was away. One of the kids up at camp told me. Now, wait a minute, Eddie. You got Emily all wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know why Emily was going out with Stan? She explained all that to Miss Brooks. I'm not interested. She was afraid of what Stan would do to you when you got out. And he said he could stop the allowance your father was getting every month. What? He, what's that? You heard me, Eddie. If Emily were giving you a runaround, she wouldn't come to me to keep you from making a darn fool of yourself. Yeah, but... Uh, nobody does anything for anybody
9: unless there's a payoff in it somewhere. Nobody gives a good hoot about me anymore. Look anyway. at
3: me, tough guy. My face, I mean. Stan and my gang did give you a good going over, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, yeah. A very artistic job. You think I'd look like this if I didn't give a good hoot about you? Well, And I, I... suppose the payoff in this for me is going to be a million bucks.
9: I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Valentine.
3: Okay. Okay, Eddie, we understand each other. Now, I'll show you how much I believe in you. Here, take this. A knife? Yeah, that's right. Wolfpack style. A la Lucas. I don't get now, it. I'm going to talk to Lieutenant Riley. And you're going to have a chance to talk to Stan alone in his cell when they bring him in.
9: You you mean you're going to let
3: me loose with him? With this? That's right, Eddie. Oh, that'll be just standing with me. Now, look. We've got to get Stan to talk. And he's not giving out for the police or for me. You're the only one who can make him talk. Now, you listen closely.
8: All right. All right, I don't mind playing ball with you, Valentine. I'm all for helping the kid. Thanks, Lieutenant. But you realize the spot I'm putting myself in, letting Eddie have a knife when he talks to Stan? We'll
5: be right next to the cell door. you right in,
8: Mr. Morrissey. We're coming kind of to for you. Thank you. Well, it's good to see you, Morrissey. How are you, Lieutenant?
5: Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. Morrissey. I, see,
8: Hi, Morrissey. I see they're keeping you stepping down there at Chelsea Square. It's yes,
5: great so, but we do our best. Well,
8: Valentine uh, thought you ought to be in on this Prokosh case. Eddie's one of your boys, you know. I know. Yeah, we're going to hear Eddie's side of the story.
5: And if it sounds convincing, we know you'd want to help.
8: I'm glad you thought of me. Okay, let's get going. Sergeant! Bring the Prokosh boy to cell nine. We'll be right there. (laughs) Okay, Eddie. The lieutenant says you can talk to this
9: guy in five minutes. Thanks. <laughs> well, well, well. Why do you get out, oh, gosh You didn't stay out very long, did you? No. You saw sort to of that Stan.
3: i oh, you talking so you
9: head. Am I? You want me to give you regards to anybody when I get bailed out? Emily, for instance? You're not getting out of here. What are you doing? You ought to know this trick. How to hide a knife in your shoe so they don't find it when they search you? Hey, Eddie, put the thing away. I've been waiting to catch up with you, Stan. Look, stay away from me. You framed me running those stolen cars. Well, now you're going to pay for it. Look, kid, take take it easy with you. Didn't you? Look, I I, I didn't mean to frame you, Eddie. It was was all a mistake. Help! Somebody help! He's going to... Stop! Help! I was looking around for a gun, and sooner or later I'd wind up at Swenson's. So you planted that hot gun there. Yeah, 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 that's right. But look, kid.
3: Help, get this
8: guy out of here, you hear me?
3: Get him out of here! We'll get him out of here, all hey, we'll right. Hey, trying to murder me. Hey. What are you doing here? You got a good memory for faces, Stan, especially ones you've been
7: working on.
9: Gosh, Mr. Valentine, it worked. You heard him, didn't you? Yes, Eddie, we heard everything.
7: Look what's going on here. You got no... Shut order. up.
9: Mr. Marcy. get me out of here. I didn't do
7: nothing. Nonetheless, you say the best, Stan. Look, you can't let him railroad me uh, like I that. I'll do everything I can, Same as I would for everyone else from our
8: district. I guess you're going to stay put, Lucas. And the rest of your gang will be sent to a place where
3: they can learn to do something useful with their lives. Come on, everybody. Wait a minute, Lieutenant. Huh? Isn't it going to be kind of crowded in here for Stan and Mr. Morrissey? What are you talking about, Valentine? What do you mean, John? There was some nice double talk between you and Stan a second ago. The less he says, the better. The better for you, you meant, didn't you, Morrissey? Look, Lieutenant. And you, Stan, you said, you can't let them railroad me or I'll... I...
0: I, Or you'd give away the
3: whole works, wouldn't you? Morrissey was the real guy behind the stolen car racket and a lot of other rackets down in Chelsea Square Morrissey, you were using Stan to bully the other kids in the line
5: That's why Stan boasted he could cut off the little money Mr. Prokosh was getting from the association
3: Well, you don't
8: seem to have much to say, Morrissey Everybody knows my reputation Oh, yeah,
3: I... yeah, the big power of the neighborhood Big enough to make Swenson, the pawnbroker, perjure himself so you could be rid of Eddie
7: I think you can get Swenson to talk now, Lieutenant.
9: I told you he sold me that gun.
7: You, you got this all wrong, Valentine. This Lucas boy here has caused all kinds of trouble. If he tries to implicate me, he surely knows... Oh, to look, him.
3: Marcy. You're not
7: going to walk out and leave me holding the bag. Valentine is right. I got lots of proof. Keep quiet, you little rat. See what I mean, Lieutenant?
3: On second thought, it wouldn't be safe to leave them both in the same cell. <laughs>
8: Mr. Valentine, what's that saying about an old fool?
3: <laughs> well, I don't know about that saying, Mr. Prokosch. Why not settle for another one? Better late than never. <laughs> Except for you, I would have made a terrible mistake. Thank you. George, come here. Uh, what is it, Brooksy?
5: Look down there out of the window. Huh? There's Emily and Eddie sitting on the stoop.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Offhand, i call that romance, ain't
5: And offhand, I remember saying, too, Mm. speak for yourself, John, if you know what I mean.
2: And now, a message of importance to motorists. The merry month of May means a merry vacation for a lot of folks. And if you're one of them, here's the way to start out safe. ...as well as happy. Just make sure your car gets a vacation check... ...at a standard station or an independent Chevron gas station. Do this a day or two before you start out. When the men at these service stations inspect your tires... ...battery, crankcase oil, spark plugs... ...all the vital parts... ...they give your car the same thoroughgoing care they'd give their own. While you're getting this important vacation check... ...get a new keyless gas cap, too. It has a simple combination lock, no key to lose and it guarantees your gasoline is safe from theft during your vacation trip and whenever you park your car. Keyless, self-locking gas caps are another better motoring item available at independent Chevron gas stations and at standard stations where they say and mean, we'll take better care of your car. Next week, when you tune our way for another adventure of George Valentine, you'll hear...
6: Oh,
3: hello, Angel.
5: Oh, darling, I thought you'd never open your eyes.
3: Oh, why doesn't somebody turn that radiator off? It's hissing.
5: We're back in the man lock at the tunnel, George. Uh, oh, what happened? Well, you were down here this morning, and you must have come up too quickly, and you got the bend. Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: I remember now. And coming up, and then everything went blank.
5: There was another accident in the tunnel. What?
3: Oh, hey, I'm beginning to remember a few things now. And I'm pretty sure I know what causes these accidents. Brooksy, quick, help me over to that phone.
1: Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Duffy's Tavern. Now, we all know Archie the bartender gets up to some pretty strange things. But this one, holding a singing contest, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Or does it? Let's give it a listen.
10: That's more.
11: When, when I got I think I think I
10: my Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where do you eat me to eat? Archie mind manager speaking, Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Guess what we just had? A new customer. Yeah, a sweet little old lady. But I'm proud to say that this slicker of ours does something to people, Duffy. That sweet little old lady walked out of here, yelled Yahoo, and helped two Boy Scouts across the street. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> huh? Well, you know, they're not all old ladies that come in here. In fact, tonight I'm expecting my new girlfriend, uh, Josita, the cute little tamale from South America. The Chili Billy, you know. You should get a load of it, Duffy. A real cute little armful. Huh? Last night we went to a symphony at Carnegie's Hall. A symphony. It's a Greek word, you know. (laughs) Sort of a contraption. Uh, Sim, meaning music, and... If you can figure out what phony means, that's it. Well, uh, you know, for for a symphony, it was pretty good. Yeah. Horrible. Well, I'm going to check to see what the critics have to say about it in the paper. I'll call you back. Hey, Fats. Yes, sir. Fats, uh, how do you feel about classical music? Classical music? Let me put it this way. What way? It will never replace the good old Chinese water torture. <laughs> That's, I think I agree with you In that case, how come you was hooked to going? Well, I was tricked I thought it was a Polish wrestling match <laughs> What made
8: you think that?
10: The sign out in front I thought the sign said Tristram Voices the sold it <laughs> Well, Mr. Archie If it was so bad Why didn't you get a leave? Well, somebody had to sit there and give him a raspberry <laughs>
12: You gave them the raspberry? Yeah. Out loud? Yeah.
10: Only, of course, when they hit the wrong notes.
12: How'd you know when they hit the wrong notes?
10: I didn't, so I played it safe. I gave them the raspberry on everything. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fats, uh, get that paper over there. I can hardly wait to see how the critics panned it. What does it say? Let's see. Impeccable technique. The quintessence of dynamic interpretation. I told you it stunk. <laughs> the epitome of virtuosity. The epitome of virtuosity? It's even worse than I thought. <laughs> Mr. Archer. What? I got news for you. What? They knows? liked it. They liked it? Well, that's a pretty sneaky way to say so. <laughs> this is the last time I read the music section in Third Avenue Gazette. They win with it. What's that next columnist? his local song fest. Mrs. Abigail Piddleton will hold the finals for this year's Miss Golden Throat of Third Avenue contest at Beethoven's Hall. Beethoven's Hall. What a dirty trick. Last year she held it at Duffy's Tavern. That's a dirtier trick.
6: <laughs>
10: Give me that phone. Hello? Oh, Mrs. Piddleton, This is Archie. Uh, look, I understand that you uh, ladies is holding your singing contest in Beethoven's Hall. But, Mrs. Piddleton, that Beethoven's Hall is nothing but a crummy, filthy, dirty fire trap. For half the money, you can get the same thing right here. <laughs> look, look, Abigail, leave us not twiddle. <clears throat> Why don't you drop down to the tavern and uh, you and me can talk it over over a fifth of tea. LAUGHTER You'll be right down. Good.
13: Well, Archie, my dear, dear boy.
10: Well, Mrs. Piddleton.
13: Once again, we two disciples of culture meet on a sphere of rhapsodic affinity.
10: Yep. <laughs> Ain't it the nuts? <laughs> Now, look, Abigail, uh, what's the idea of you as dames throwing a singing contest at Beethoven's Hall instead of Duffy's Tavern?
13: Well, Archie, for one thing, the singers seem to object to your acoustics. So what?
10: We'll set traps. (laughs) Now, what other objections is there?
13: Well, to speak frankly, the atmosphere here is so unrefined. That's a stinking canard.
10: The atmosphere ain't unrefined.
13: Well, of course I don't include you.
10: Well, I hope not. With me, culture is a thing of long-standing. It's a habit. You know, like with some people, it's taking baths. <laughs> you know something? What? Last night, I went to a symphony concert at Carnegie's Hall.
13: Really? I was there, too. You was? Yes. And did you hear that ruffian?
10: Which ruffian?
6: <laughs>
13: Why, that, that disgusting one that was making those uncouth noises.
10: <laughs> Them raspberries? Oh, yes, he, he reviled me no end. <laughs> In fact, I was tempted to trash the cad with me lorgnette. I was positively disgusted
13: Yes, imagine Interrupting that divine music Four times
10: Eight times <laughs> I mean, uh, leave us get back to business, Abigail uh, use dames and ranchers Gonna hold a singing contest here
13: I can't, Archie I've made other arrangements
10: Oh, this is gonna come as quite a shock To Deems Taylor
13: Deems Taylor? The famous music critic?
10: I was planning to have him judge the contest
13: You mean that you could get Deems Taylor to come here to Duffy's Tavern?
10: Mrs. Pilton, you hold that music contest here tonight, and I'll promise you that Deems Taylor will judge it.
13: Well, Archie, that's a bargain.
10: And a bargain's a bargain.
13: Oh, well, in that case, I think I'll toddle along and notify the girls. Au revoir, kindred spirits.
10: So long, kid. Keep a stiff upper plate. It looks like the tavern will be loaded with culture bugs tonight And there's nothing buggier than a culture bug
12: Oh, <laughs> uh,
10: Maybe I'm wrong
12: <laughs> Hiya, Finnegan Hey, you look very happy Oh, I am, Arch. How come? Uh, well, I went to a psychiatrist And that made you happy? Yeah, yeah You know what he told me? What? He says, I don't have an inferiority complex at all no inferiority complex? No. He says that in my case, I'm really inferior. <laughs> well, that must be a load off your mind. Oh, it is a load off of my mind. I used to worry about it, but uh, now I can concentrate on me work. What work? Selling Christmas cards. <laughs>
10: Finnegan, ain't it a little early to be selling Christmas cards? Arch, these are last year's cards. (laughs) Uh, Well, tell me, are you having any luck? Oh, yeah. I sell quite a few
12: today. Yeah. Yeah. How many did you sell? Three. (laughs) This is quite a few? It is to a guy who can only count up to four.
10: (laughs) Well, tell me, Finnegan, how do you go about selling these cards? Uh, You go uh, door to door? No, house to house.
12: Explain that one, will you? Well, first I look for a house. Yeah. Then I look for a door. Uh Uh-huh. Then I knock on it. Yes. Then when they open it, I stand there and I say, I am Clifton Finnegan. Uh And then what? Then I knock on the door again.
10: And I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid you're not using your head.
12: Oh no, what do you think I knock on the door with?
10: Look, old man, I I, I don't want to criticize your sales technique, but uh, maybe I can help you. Now, uh, leave us presuppose that I'm a housewife, huh?
12: Okay.
10: Now, you knock on the door.
12: Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Uh, Good evening, madam. Oh, good good evening. Uh, Is your husband home? (laughs) Well, uh... No, uh, he's not Uh, may I come in?
10: (laughs) Well, uh, maybe uh, just for a
12: minute Thanks, uh, shall we go in this room? Well, very well Oh boy, Uh, you mind if we sit on the sofa and turn out the lights? (sighs) Whatever for? I got a Christmas card here that lights up in the dark.
10: Finnegan, <laughs> Finnegan, you got it all backwards. You mean I should find a dame that gets lit up in the dark? <laughs> well, I think you better play a return match with that psychiatrist. Hey, Archie. Yeah, Miss Duffy. Have you heard the news? What news? I'm
11: singing in the contest here tonight. Oh, that's...
10: That's nice (laughs) Which contest? The amalgamated hog callers?
11: No, no, Mrs. Piddleton's contest
10: Well, I wasn't too far off Now look, Miss Duffy You stay out of that contest I remember the last time you sang in public They sent 15 tugboats into the harbor Looking for the Queen Mary (laughs)
11: Oh, is that so? Well, my singing teacher don't think so
10: Your singing teacher?
11: Yes, Yasha Paniaslavnik the founder of the Ponyoslavnik vocal method.
10: Uh, Ponyoslavnik vocal method?
11: If you have two lungs and four dollars, he can teach you to sing.
10: Four Pucks is too much for that bum.
11: <laughs> That's for his A method.
10: Oh, his A method?
11: Yes, his B method is only 50 cents. Uh
10: huh. What's the difference?
11: With the B method, his hearing aid is turned off. <laughs> Sworn musician. And this is the guy that coached you for the contest? Yes, and he has great confidence in me. He says I have the most powerful voice on 3rd Avenue.
10: Powerful, huh?
11: Yes. He says that Mrs. Fishbeck's voice broke his mirror. And that Mrs. Schultz's voice broke three of his windows. And what did
10: you do to Slavnik?
11: I hit a high C and I put a crack straight across his glass eye.
10: <laughs> well, Miss Duffy, you know, I always feel that true professional talent should be given a chance to express itself. Hey, hey, look who's coming in. My little Spanish girlfriend, Josita. Uh, fat, fat, do I do I look okay? You wearing a red necktie? No. Then put your tongue back in your mouth. <laughs> I'm glad to see you, Josita.
11: Hello, Archie.
10: Well, honey, uh, now that you're here, how about you and me?
11: Uh, how about you and me what?
10: You name it. <laughs> uh, but where's my hospitality? May I offer you some food, drink, marriage?
1: Archie, I am only interested in my career as a singer.
10: Well, I'll tell you, Mrs. Piddleton's music club is holding a musical here tonight.
4: Uh, Uh, A musical?
10: Yeah, you know, a tug-of-war with tonsils. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to get you into that contest, and I'm sure the judge is going to pick you.
13: Yeah, but how can you be sure?
10: Because I'm going to pick the judge.
1: (laughs) But, Archie, if I'm just starting off on my career... I don't want to be dishonest.
10: You won't have to be, honey. I'll get you an agent to be dishonest (laughs) for you. Now, let me see. i better call up the judge. Why? Well, I want to make sure the contest is fixed on a level. (laughs) Hello? Is Deems Taylor there? He's listening to a symphony? Well, wake him up. (laughs) Hello? Deems? This is Archie from Duffy's Tavern. Uh, Remember? Hello? (laughs) Looks like she remembered. Mm. Well, maybe I better dig up a dummy judge. Uh, Sure, all right. Just the man I'm looking for, I want you to judge a contest. Honest? Well, not exactly. You see, James Taylor just backed out of judging this singing contest for Mrs. Piddleton. Oh,
12: well, dear, I can beat James Taylor. Hardly. James
10: <laughs> Taylor is a person.
6: <laughs>
10: uh, wait a minute, I got it. Yeah. You better say that you're a, a, a German professor. German professor, no. yeah. Uh, professor Liederkranz, mm-hmm. Professor Liedeklanz, uh from Heidelberg.
12: The famous eye, Ear, and Music Authority.
10: Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Now, Finnegan, you got it? You'll be the judge, only I'll tell you what the judge.
12: Uh, I got it. I'm a German leader, cranch named Deems Heidelbein, with eye ear and music trouble.
10: <laughs> this ain't all your trouble. Look, look, Finnegan, just remember one thing. Uh, what's up? We're holding a singing contest. Oh, oh, I see. And the winner is Hosita. Short contest, wasn't it? <laughs> Short contest. Now... Tell me, will you do it for me as
12: a friend? Uh, just a check on us. What the matter? What If I fix this contest for you, do, do I get a brand new yo-yo? Well, it depends. How much is a brand new yo-yo? Oh, buck and a half. buck and a
10: half? Then again, uh, how much do you think our friendship is worth? Oh, well,
12: I just worth a fortune. So you're going to give up a
10: fortune for a lousy buck and a half yo-yo? <laughs> well... I'm, I'm sorry, Archie. Okay, now in that case, you do it for nothing. And don't forget, Josita is the winner.
12: Uh, I got it, I got it. Good.
10: Mr. Archie. What, Fats?
12: Was you expecting the Notre Dame backfield?
8: Well, no. In that case, Mrs. Piddleton and the Singing Society is here.
10: Oh, well, wait, we ladies, welcome. Fats, uh, the champagne. What about it? Lock it up.
13: <laughs> Archie? Are you insinuating that the ladies are tipplers?
10: Oh, perish forbid that I say that they tipple. <laughs> I merely infer that once in a while they are inclined to dip the beak. <laughs> but leave us get the contest started. Is the
13: singers all ready? Yes, and they're all so thrilled, especially our new protege. Uh,
10: who's your new protege?
13: Miss Duffy. Ah! Gazooks! <laughs> then you should hear her, Archie. She sings like a bird.
8: A vulture.
13: <laughs> Archie, she's a very talented girl. Do you know what she's devoted her entire life to?
10: Sailors.
13: <laughs> no. No, singing. She has a glorious voice. And, uh, Archie.
6: Huh?
13: I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Yeah. You see, well, Miss Duffy is our favorite, uh-huh. and Archie, uh, come here. Yeah? Uh, could, uh, could the contest be fixed? What? I mean, um, well, could it be arranged?
10: Are you suggesting arson? Well,
13: <laughs> Archie... Uh, I am I...
10: taking a guest. How could you stoop so low? I'll have you know that I'm conducting an honest, legitimate contest. And I will brook no finagling. Besides, our honorable judge, Professor Liederkranz, would be shocked beyond reprisal.
13: Professor Liederkranz? But you promised us Deems Taylor. Deems met
10: with an accident.
13: <laughs> an accident?
10: Yep, he was at a rehearsal and he got crushed between two sopranos.
13: <laughs> oh, Archie. Now, Abigail,
10: don't blow your wig. I got somebody better than Deems Taylor. Who? I'll have you meet him. Oh, Professor Liederkranz! Professor Lederkrantz. Uh, auf Wiedersehen.
12: Was ist cooking? <laughs>
10: <laughs> professor Liedekrons, uh, this is Mrs. Piddleton.
12: Uh, auf Wiedersehen.
10: Last guy in the world you think is a professor, ain't
13: he? He certainly <laughs> is.
10: Uh-huh, but he fools you. I'll show you. Professor, uh, what do you think is the trend in uh, modern music? Oh, uh... uh. We shouldn't <laughs> well, well, there's two schools of thought on that.
13: Archie, I would like to ask a question.
10: Does it require an answer?
13: Of course.
12: Then we're in trouble.
13: Herr Professor.
12: Uh, ja, mein dumkopf.
13: <laughs> Name three famous German composers. Archie
10: That's the trouble with music, Mrs. Piddleton Too often we suffer from this language barrier
13: I have one more question Professor, listen to this Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah can you tell me what it
12: is? Yeah, a piano.
10: And you thought he was a phony. <laughs> now, come on, leave us start the contest here. Uh, ladies of the Music Society, tonight in these immoral halls... <laughs> We clasp pans with the classics. They say that music hath charms to soothe the savage beasts. So I'm sure you ladies will have a good time. <laughs> Thank you. And now, before I introduce the charming and lovely Josita, I would like to present the judge of this contest, Professor Lederkron. The
12: winner is Josita! <laughs>
10: Please, the contest ain't started yet Oh,
12: excuse it, please
10: uh, <laughs> Mrs. Piddleton, uh, outside of Hosita and Miss Duffy How many singers do we have to listen to? Seven Seven? Fats, mix me a bromo, just in case Thank you, ladies You have just heard Mrs. Horace Bodkin render the ever-popular Ride of the Valkyries. (laughs) Written, of course, as you all know, by Schumann and Heinck. (laughs) Now, that was contestant number seven. And now we present our last two contestants. Miss Josita Hernandez, Contralto, and Miss Duffy, middleweight. (laughs) Now, first, we will hear from Josita. Uh, uh, the no. Professor! Please, leave her sing first, and then we pick her. Go ahead, Josita.
11: Hi! <laughs> chiu, chiu. chiu, parito, que tu cantar me alegra el corazón. Chiu, 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 chiu. Chiu, 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 chua. Canta, canta, parito, que tu cantar me alegra el corazón. Con tu gorjeo y tu trinar se alegra el alba la noche ya se va Con tu gorjeo y tu trinar se alegra el alba la noche ya se va
10: Terrific. Wunderbar,
12: wunderbar The winner is not yet, yet. Finnegan
10: <laughs> Well, Mrs. Uh, Piddleton Shall we barter with the last contestant Or do you want to call it quits?
13: Archie, I demand that Miss Duffy be given a chance to compete
10: All right, it might be good for laughs, <laughs> Folks, we have just heard the beautiful, gorgeous Josita, The vivacious Josita, The charming, talented Josita. And now, Miss Duffy.
11: <laughs> Hello, hear the gentle lark, weary of rest. from his moist cabinet, mouth up as wakes morning from-
12: What you got there in your hand? Uh, It's a yo-yo.
13: Yes, Archie. A brand new one.
10: He got stabbed in the back by a yo-yo.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Escape, followed by Father Knows Best.